Good day, friends. Welcome back to episode 10 of the Forever Curious podcast. Yes, we did make it to double digits. Today, we are heading across the globe to Korea and their national drink, soju. I watched an episode of Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations a long time ago, R.I.P. Anthony Bourdain, and they were slamming soju all night long. Seemed pretty amazing until I realized the alcohol percentage wasn't nearly as high as, say, vodka or tequila. It was more wine-like, and that there's a pretty strict etiquette slash culture around how to actually drink soju properly with a group. Soju is a clear, colorless, distilled beverage of Korean origin. It is usually consumed neat, and its alcohol content varies from about 16.5% to 53% alcohol by volume. Most brands of soju are made in South Korea. While soju is traditionally made from rice, wheat, or barley, modern producers often replace rice with other starches such as potatoes, sweet potatoes, or tapioca. The origin of soju dates back to the 13th century Goreo when the Levantine distilling technique was introduced to the Korean peninsula during the Mongol invasions of Korea from 1231 to 1259 by the Yuan Mongols who had acquired the technique of distilling Eric from the Persians during their invasions of the Levant, Anatolia, and Persia. The distillers were set up around the city of Gaijingyong, the then capital. In the surrounding areas of Gaisong, soju is still called Erikju. Andong soju, the direct root of modern South Korean soju varieties, started as the home-brewed liquor developed in the city of Andong, where the Yuan Mongols' logistics base was located during this era. Soju is traditionally made by distilling alcohol from fermented grains. The rice wine for distilled soju is usually fermented for about 15 days, and the distillation process involves boiling the filtered, matured rice wine in a sot or cauldron, topped with soju gori, two-storied distilling appliance with a pipe. In the 1920s, over 3,200 soju breweries existed throughout the Korean peninsula. Soju referred to a distilled beverage with a 35% ABV until 1965, when diluted soju with 30% ABV appeared in the South Korean government's prohibition of the traditional distillation of soju from rice in order to alleviate rice shortages. Instead, soju was created using highly distilled ethanol from sweet potatoes and tapioca, which was mixed with flavorings and sweeteners in water. The end products are marketed under a variety of soju brand names. A single supplier, Korea Ethanol Supplies Company, sells ethanol to all soju producers in South Korea. Until the late 80s, saccharin was the most popular sweetener used by the industry, but it has since been replaced by steviocide. Although the prohibition was lifted in 1999, cheap soju continues to be made this way. Diluted soju has showed a trend towards lower alcohol content. The ABV of 30% fell to 25% by 1973 and 23% by 1998. Currently, soju with less than 17% ABV are widely available. In 2017, a typical 375ml bottle, or 12.5 US fluid ounces, bottle of diluted soju retails for approximately $1.69 in supermarkets and convenience stores, and for approximately $3.99 to $4.98 in restaurants. Several regions have resumed distilling soju from grains since 1999. Traditional handcrafted Andong soju has about 45% ABV. Huayo is a brand with five different mixes constituting an ABV range of 17% to 53%. In the 2000s, soju started to dominate the world spirit market. Jinro soju has been the largest selling spirit in the world for more than a decade. Two other soju brands, Chum Churum and Good Day, featured in the top 10, and three other soju brands are present in the top 100 global spirits brands of 2016. Soju outside of Korea. In China, there are a number of soju brands directly outside of the Korean peninsula for the ethnic Korean population, and most use rice as the foundation since the price is significantly cheaper than in South Korea. Soju from North and South Korea from firms like Jinro are also imported. In Canada, liquors are subject to regulations that vary from province to province. In Ontario, the provincially run Liquor Control Board of Ontario sells soju, but not all outlets carry it. 
The LCBO sells a variable number of different kinds of soju. There are usually three or four different brands carried in the system at all times. Not all LCBO locations have soju. Since the LCBO introduced online ordering, it can be ordered for home delivery anywhere in the province. Almost all Korean restaurants with an AGCO liquor license sell it. In other Canadian provinces, liquor sales may be privatized or semi-privatized. In Alberta, for example, a liquor store may carry dozens of brands of soju. In the U.S., the liquor licensing laws in the states of California and New York specifically exempt the sale of soju from regulation relating to the sale of other distilled spirits, allowing businesses with a beer or wine license to sell it without requiring the more expensive license required for other distilled spirits. The only stipulation is that the soju must be clearly labeled as such and contain less than 25% alcohol. This has led to the appearance in the United States of many soju-based equivalents of traditional Western mixed drinks normally based on vodka or similar spirits, such as the soju martini and the soju cosmopolitan. Another consequence is that the manufacturers of similar distilled spirits from the other parts of Asia, such as Japanese soju, have begun to relabel their products as soju for sale in those regions. Jinro's American division has partnered with Korean pop star Psy to promote soju in the U.S., and in 2013 partnered with the Los Angeles Dodgers to sell soju at its games. Although beer, whiskey, and wine have been gaining popularity in recent years, soju remains one of the most popular alcoholic beverages in Korea because of its ready availability and relatively low price. More than 3 billion bottles were consumed in South Korea in 2004. In 2006, it was estimated that the average adult Korean, older than 20, had consumed 90 bottles of soju during that year. In 2014, it was reported that South Koreans of drinking age consumed an average of 13.5 shots of spirit per week. The figure for Russia in second place was 6.3. By contrast, consumption in the U.S. was 3.3 shots, Canada was 2.5, and the U.K. was 2.3 shots. While soju is traditionally consumed straight, a few cocktails and mixed drinks use soju as a base spirit. Beer and soju can be mixed to create a sumayak, a portmanteau of the words soju and maikju, Flavored soju is also available. It is also popular to blend fruits with soju and to drink it in a slushy form. Another very popular flavored soju is yogurt soju, which is a combination of soju, yogurt, and lemon-lime soda. A poktanju, or bomb drink, consists of a shot glass of soju dropped into a pint of beer, similar to a boiler maker. This is similar to the Japanese sake bomb. Soju is sometimes mistakenly referred to as jiangju, a Korean rice wine. Mass-produced soju is also mistaken for Chinese baiju, a grain liquor, and soju, a Japanese beverage. So I mentioned there was a pretty strict drinking etiquette when it comes to soju. Koreans have strict rules of etiquette in drinking alcoholic beverages. When receiving a glass from an elder, one must hold the glass with two hands, left palm at the bottom, and hold the glass with the right hand, and bow the head slightly. When it is time to drink, the drinker must turn away from the elder and cover the mouth and glass with their hands. The first drink must be finished in one shot. When the glass is empty, the drinker hands it back to the person who poured them the drink, and the drinker then pours them a shot. This starts a series of glass and bottle passes around the table. By the mid-1300s, manners and culture of drinking came into South Korea. There are many manners about drinking alcohol in South Korea. Among them is a typical manner of drinking culture called Hyeonggwemjure. It was an event that saw many classical and Confucian scholars gather and drink, learning drinking manners. It also meant that people had to respect benevolent persons and support old men. It was held every October. With that, the most important thing about South Korea drinking culture is manners. Koreans believe drinking etiquette is very important. When people become of age to drink alcohol, they are taught how to drink with other people by elders, because Korean ancestors thought that pouring and receiving drinks was important over the bowl. In South Korea, it is traditional that when a person gives an alcoholic drink to another adult, the person has to offer the drink respectfully with two hands. When pouring a drink, the cup should be held with the right hand and the wrist of your right hand held lightly with the left hand. 
it is customary to wait until the glass is empty to pour another. There is also a tradition for receiving drinks. When receiving drinks, the same etiquette applies when pouring drinks. When elders give alcohol to a younger person, the younger person should receive the drink politely and with gratitude by saying thank you. The next step is to hit the bottle and then put it down. This pleases the elders. Also, when drinking beer, it is proper for the younger drinker to turn their head so as not to directly face the elders when drinking. And there you have it. That'll do it for us uh, for episode 10. Now, when someone offers you a drink of soju, you knew how to drink it politely and respectfully and how to pour others a drink. So if you have any topics for future shows, let me know. If you have any feedback on how we can make the show better or just want to chit-chat, feel free to shoot an email at theforevercuriouspodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Forever Curious Podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And for those of you that stuck around, I thought there was another interesting article that I found on Agua de Bolivia. It's an herbal liquor made with Bolivian coca leaves and 37 other natural herbs and botanicals, including green tea, ginseng, and guarana, distilled and produced in Amsterdam by Babco Europe Limited. The cocoa leaf content of the drink, like that in Coca-Cola, has the cocaine alkaloids removed during production and does not contain the drug, luckily. The Agua brand claims a long-standing heritage that honors the traditional Bolivian cocoa leaf liquors, the first of which was produced by the de Medici family in Bologna in 1820. Previous to this, however, the coca leaf had been used for thousands of years by the native South American population. However, they, for the most part, chewed the leaf by comparison. The making of alcoholic drinks was of a more limited scope. These older variants of the liquor were enjoyed by many in anecdotal accounts, including Rudyard Kipling, who described the drink as being made from the clippings and shavings of angel's wings. Agua itself claims to build upon this long-standing tradition of coca leaf-infused liquor. The leaves used for the production of agua are picked at 2,000 meters above sea level in the Andes. The leaves are then shipped under armed guard to Amsterdam, where they are distilled to a strength of 78 to 88% alcohol by volume, and 36 other botanical elements are added. This distillate is then reduced to 30% ABV. Agua de Bolivia has been approved for consumption by the European Nation Narcotics Commission, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, and TTB. Agua also plays an integral role in the Coca Leaf Museum in Amsterdam. The museum deals with the history of the coca leaf from its use in ancient rituals to the modern-day use of it in a legal drug trade. Okay, that's it for real this time. Promise. Until next episode, this has been the Forever Curious Podcast. Podcast.